horror, you shoot for the, you have to scare your most sophisticated audience. Um, whereas comedy, you play for the lowest common denominator, whoever's going That's to so get that. so interesting. I've never heard that. Yes. And she said that like, so you have to fool, you have to write it to fool your most sophisticated audience. Whereas in comedy, you write it for the lowbrow, but you know, everybody likes lowbrow humor. It's really, really a challenge. I, I probably did. And I probably wrote at least six or seven drafts of every single outline. And then another seven or eight drafts of every draft before mm -hmm. it came to the table. Hi, I'm Jeffrey Allen Schechter, and welcome to Writer's Room Pros, a podcast of conversations with TV and film professionals where we talk about not just their work, but their approach to finding, developing, and ultimately telling stories for a living. This episode, we are thrilled to have Jeff Astroff, showrunner of Star's new comedy thriller series, Shining Vale. Jeff and I discuss the challenges of blending genres, the importance of casting, and a little-known show he once worked on called Friends. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Jeff. So... I know you now, what, like seven years, oh, eight years? Too long, yes. Why is it that I first learned about Partners today? Partners being the TV, the TV show? show? Yeah. That I was on or that I, uh, that you, the term? No, that you were the uh, showrunner on. I was not a, a showrunner. I was, I was one of the uh, producers, co-producer. I, I, had, I had a, um, as part of some kind of penance, for the uh, for previous misdoings, I've had a lot of uh, relation. I've had a lot of shows I've done with uh, Munchnik and Cohan as uh, part of some kind of uh, payback for another another <laughs> life's work. Right, I and believe something happened in Poland that I was involved in on the wrong side. Well, of the that is Poland. Apparently, is the only place that is running the entire full season of, of part, Partners. Yes. I, I, it was um, no. That was one of the shows I've done. I think I've done. Two shows and a couple of pilots with them. Um, one was Partners. One was uh, Bleep My Dad Says. Um, two, when I got, when I did Bleep My Dad Says, the first time I met with a manager, I asked how he could help me. And he said, we will put a full team on getting that I'm all, off your IMDb page. So, <laughs> and by the way, it was worth 15% uh, of my income for that. Uh, apparently, Partners was not fully expunged. Um the greatest thing about Partners was uh, after it was done, the night it was done, there was a poster that said, um, it said, four friends, what was it? Four friends, uh, three couples. It said, four friends, three couples. And I wrote after that six episodes and <laughs> on the poster. Did they not appreciate that? It was too soon. It was that night oh, okay, um, yeah. that it was canceled. And uh they didn't appreciate that, but that was the best joke in the show. That was pretty good. No, I I, I love the fact that it's like it's yeah. You, know, you look up where it's playing. It's like you know Croatia. I'm know. I'm getting a lot of Zabrovniks in the mail. How are the residuals from Croatia? It is amazing. <laughs> That's what I assume Zabrovnik is. Um, is this air, <laughs> does this air in Croatia? You oh. know what? It's we're we're international. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. are the proper currency. Right. You know, I was um, I was the number two on a lot of shows. And oh, so you're number a, two on that. A, yes, on okay. a lot of shows. But that was, uh, that show, the, the thing, the brilliance of Max and David, who created that show, who created Will and Grace and about 15 other shows, was uh, they left at 4 p.m. no matter what. <laughs> and uh, oftentimes I would, uh, you know, I would run the room and, and um, that was, that was a, that was a, it was, I don't know, do you want to talk about part? I've literally never talked about partners at all with anyone. Well, then we have a unique take. On yes, we this do have podcast. a, we do have a unique take on it. It was a lot, uh, it's funny. It's a corner of my, uh, 
my mind I haven't done well that's why I'm like I'm not really joking I mean like we know each other like a decade and it's, it's just, never come up and I I, I, and never, I I guess it means I've never actually stalked you online or looked at your IMDB page no it's never come up for very good reason it wasn't even like it's funny because shit my dad can you say the bleep word we can't yes. say it so shit my dad says um, comes up because people want to know about William Shatner right. and I have I have no fewer than a thousand William Shatner stories. And Any so, that you can tell? Yeah, I can tell all of them. But uh, Anything you can tell without getting sued? Anyway, partners. <laughs> Got um, No, no, no. William Shatner was fantastic. But I've talked about William Shatner. Anytime yeah. that you go on any podcast about me, yeah. it gets hijacked. And you know, like Shatner. I'm a monster Star Trek fan. And have I ever asked you a single question about William no, Shatner? But no, if, but if you, if you truly go on, and I've, I've done, you know, I've done at least three podcasts before. I've done dozens of podcasts before mm -hmm. and, and they always get hijacked by William Shatner in one way or the other and it's right. fine. Okay. Uh, and likewise, they should be. They've never uh, gone to the dark corner. <laughs> it's oh, called partners. partners. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, the, that's the back of the attic with the, the, the Christmas decorations from uh, 86. Um, so yeah, that was a show that was recycled. Uh, Max and David did did that show, tried to do that show several times. And oh, then, I read that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, they, that was basically like there was a version of that somewhere already. They did it. They did. It. Look, the the truth of the matter is, everybody has, everybody has one good show in them. If you have that, you have mm -hmm. one good show in them. It's very, very, very rare that you have more than one good show, and it's mm -hmm. usually their story. And so Max and David had Will and Grace, and then tried to, you know, have success after that, and it was very, very difficult um, for them. And one of their shows is Partners, which is basically Will and Grace again. Right. Um, right, and, right, and it was cursed by, as all shows are, by casting. Um, you know, the, the, it was very hard to cast the girl, uh, Sophia Bush, who was very, very nice, but um, you know, not super, super duper funny. They hired her because I mean, she didn't have any. I think she came from One Tree Hill or something, and right. she had a big Twitter following. And that's back then. That was why you hired mm -hmm. someone. Right. It's, it's comedy is almost impossible to cast. And comedy, I've always said this. It is 100% casting. Comedic writing is 100% casting. Mm -hmm. and, and I worked on a show called New Adventures of Old Christine, which was a successful show that ran for five years. And that was really just because of Julia Lee Dreyfus. Right. Um, and I forgot. Oh, then I think, oh, this is so weird. This is the first time this is coming up in my mind. Look at this. Mm -hmm. I think they wanted Mira Servino for that show. Oh, wow. And Mira, now it's coming up. And, and Mira Servino is in Shining, Shining Vale. Vale. Right. Which is your new show. No, oh. <laughs> still trying to error. Uh, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> um, uh, yes, so Mira Savino is in my new show, but they wanted her. And that's so funny that that's coming up now because NBC, I'm sorry, CBS, Warner Brothers really wanted um, Mira Savino to star in the show. And it's the first time I'm thinking of that. Star the show for Partners. Old Christine. Oh, Old Christine. No, Old no Christine. Partners was, uh, the right, succession right, 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 of Partners it. is almost a fetish at this point. Got it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it was, uh, you know, it, it seemed like it could have had legs. It, it was, um, you know, it it had um, Michael Urey and um, David Krumholtz, who are right. two fantastically funny guys. Right. Uh, and then it had um, Brandon, Brendan Routh, who was the least um, impressive Superman. So that was ever. my joke: is uh, they finally found something that could kill Superman. <laughs> <laughs> also, too soon did not go great. Super nice guy, but again, it was like I think what happens a lot of times if you if you create a a great show. And it happened with the creators of Friends also. They had lightning in a bottle. Mm -hmm. And it's lightning in a bottle for a reason because you have like, that was their story. And they told that story 
geniusly. And again, casting. But casting. Casting, casting, right. casting. But you can't just say, you can't just attribute it to casting because casting, you need an eye for casting. And you need right. to, you know, the, my first, very first job was um, for a show called Hang With Mr. Cooper. I'll, you could put the applause in oh, afterwards. Oh, I, I sadly remember that show. I know. So you have, I see you have four pages of notes on that. We'll get to it. <laughs> um, but, you know, and the guy who created that was the guy who created Full House. And his oh. whole thing was that he cast the Olsen twins out of a cradle. Um, he was right. like, he saw them, you know, <clears throat> in, uh, and he said, oh, no, I'm casting. And uh, <laughs> No, but he cast the Olsen twins and there we go. And right. he created a billion dollar enterprise because of that. So you need an eye for casting to Carrie Lizer, who created old Christine, her, you know, her great credit. She said, I want Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I won't do the show without it. And Julia is obviously a genius. Right. Um, and that was wonderful. That was a great experience. So, um, but I think what happens a lot of times, if you don't have that, like, and we didn't have the girl for partners, really. Sophia Bush was a very, very nice person, but it wasn't, you know, it's also it's also hard. Those guys know their relationship, and they had kind of mined a lot of that relationship in one grace. It was the the two mm -hmm. best friend partners who were one gay, one straight, and the gay guy helping the straight guy. And it, it wasn't. It seemed like you know, like like everything else. And it's funny because I'm going through this now with my show is where they sh they roll out everything they're going to show you for um, the the rollout of, of the promotion. And it's just the most, I, I still, I'm sure, and I would have brought it for you. I still have my, you know, partner's towel, um, <laughs> which I'm sure, you know, it's like everyone in America is going to be on the beach with a partner's towel. Like, it's like, <laughs> oh my God, it's genius. Of course, a partner's towel. So I'm sure you'll get your shiny Valley racer. Um, that, no, but like they show you everything and you're just like, right. guys, we're taking over the Beverly Center. Like, I remember that. Yeah. Like we're taking over the Beverly Center. It's like, and we, no one even thought. Like we were like, yes. It was just like really. It was like D Day. It was like we we're doing it, right. guys. You cannot go to the Beverly Center without you know running into anything partners, and that's like going to be like, and we'd be able to retire on this. We're taking over the Beverly Center, like, and um, we took over the Beverly Center and not much more. This show is brought to you by Showrunner Industries, makers of Writers Room Pro. For more about the app and this show, make sure to check us out at writersroompro.com and follow us on Instagram at writersroompro. Now, back to the show. So, Friends. Yes. Right. So, you Not were familiar. season one. And two. And two. Yes. Right. And you were low level on that show? In what out? way? Um, talent and ability. <laughs> talent. No, 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 I, no, no. Position where you weren't, you, you were, yeah, well, it was, uh, were you it was staff? My, it was my, it was my oh, third story job. Editor. Yeah, it was a story. It's so funny because I, I was, um, uh, they, there was an, a Vulture article out recently about the writers of Friends, the Friends Room. Yes, I saw that. Right. Where it's, it was like almost like, like the Corman factory for cranking out showrunners. Yes. Right, like Genji Cohen, you know. So Genji Cohen and Bill Lawrence right. were um, both fired while I was there. and that Don't blame yourself. I, I don't blame myself. Good. Um, a little bit, no, but, um, they were both kind of like on short-term deals there and, you know, like writer, whatever, 13 week deals. And they, and that was the key to super success <laughs> was getting fired. And I should have gotten fired and, and instead of quitting, uh, I didn't quit. I left, I moved on. Right. But, um, I was going to ask about that, but we'll get there. I don't think about that that often, just every day. <laughs> Can we cut the commercial? Because we don't do commercial. Makeup. <laughs> so you were, wait, because you were uh, season one, season Se two. Yes. 
And then you left after season two? Yeah, when it started, I knew, I was like, this show has maybe eight more seasons left. <laughs> and I want to get was out. Was there a sense, like, as you're doing the show, like, you start watching it and you're going, oh, this might be a cultural touchstone? Or did you just feel like, oh, it's a good show? And No, it was I was. Does dumb. anybody know those things? I don't know. No, you don't know those things. And, and um, you know, again, it was my... It was my third job uh, in uh, in television. It was my third job in television, and, and I just assumed, you know, it, it was, you know, I was twenty five or twenty, maybe I was twenty six years old, and it's you're invincible. Then mm -hmm. I remember telling the story the other day that like one day I like left friends. I was like, um, and this is like the difference between being twenty six and being, you know, twice that, <laughs> and then uh, three years um, is like one day I left friends because I had a bump on my back, and I like during lunch I got this cyst removed, like. And the guy's like, you know, I'm just talking to the guy. He's like cutting out the cyst. He's like, all right, well, we're going to send it to the lab and uh, just make sure it's not cancer. I'm like, okie doke. It's like, you want us to call you? It's like, either way. <laughs> like now, I real honestly, I feel like I'm going to get cancer from telling that story. Like now, like anything. What do you mean? Like anything. Right. Sean, is this cancer? No, it's a crumb. Okay. <laughs> like, but that, that's like the same. Are you sure? Should we not send this to the lab? It's not such a, yeah, it's your shirt and it's in the laundry. Um, but... You know, it was back then the lab. It's like the lab. You're sending to the lab. There's a lab. I don't want to tell. You know, you you know, you you get together your personal belongings when there's a lab involved. Right. And um, but back then, I think that's a good metaphor for how I was. Is just like you're carefree, you're young. Like anybody can do this. I was one of the more prolific uh, writers slash joke tellers on the show. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just because I was. That's that was my drive. It's like every day if I didn't get a gigantic joke into the script it was a failure of a day and it was fun funny you know i was with my partner writing partner at the time and i never knew how he felt about me or anybody else did about me um until i read that article <laughs> and apparently i was an a-hole no but i was it was no Wait, the article didn't come didn't, off no it didn't come it didn't. No, no no it didn't but it, it talked about how uh prolific i was and it talked about mm -hmm. what my partner also said like can you imagine being in a room with this guy when you're just trying to think and he's got it out? He's got his gun out already. You know what I mean? Like right. when you're just like reaching for your gun, he's already fired. And that was, I, it was very, very lucky to have a quick brain that way. Right. But it but was, that's, wasn't, I, I'm assuming it still is now unless people are more guarded, but that was the nature of those rooms, right? Where it, it was like just machine gun. It was machine gun. And it's very, very, and it's very, very stressful. It's very, very competitive. Right. I, I got called into David's office, David Crane's <clears throat> office, at least once a week for making someone cry or for doing so. I was really, I was uh, a, not the refined gentleman I am today. Um, but well, it's, it, it wasn't even a matter of competitive. It's like you felt so passionate. Like we would, we would like, I remember like screaming at somebody over a point. And I remember mm -hmm. they were, I remember, I remember one joke I should have got. It's so funny. Like, I still hold on to that. It's like it's very, very weird, just like that that time in my life, because you know, you would you would pitch a joke and then you would see it. I remember like a couple of times I had some like great times that you just assume it was gonna last forever. And that's why I left. Like, you know, Jeffrey Katzenberg called me and said, Steven Spielberg and I are and David Geffen and I are starting a company, we'd like you to join. I'm like, sure. Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah, that's what they called. He saw an episode I wrote called uh, the one with all the poker and he was on a plane. He called my agent. My agent hung up on him because he thought he was joking right not my agent anymore um <laughs> and although it would have been better if he hung up on him for my career but i wouldn't have met my wife so trade-off um the story there somewhere. yes there is uh it's a long one uh story i've told many times along with william shatner um but you know it was um you know i, I just was so passionate about that and so passionate about like you know 
jokes and and I just remember the I remember jokes that I remember there was there was one joke that we did that um where Joey was in a a, a porn movie and uh Joey was in a porno and he was like you know he was uh like the copy boy or something in that in an office and David Crane was like all right we have you have like one hour to pitch on porn titles and that's it. Like that's it. We knew that was going to be a thing and everyone pitched and I came up with how to succeed in business. And it was just like <laughs> pencils down everyone. And um, I remember like Courtney delivered it and it didn't, it didn't land. Like the joke, it was so shocking. The joke was so shocking. Right. And we didn't know how to write it succeed or succeed and whatever it was. But I know objectively like, that was a good joke and that was going to land and it didn't, and it didn't make it past like the first, it didn't make it past the table read. And then David Crane was like, we're not going to put it be in honor of that joke. We're not going to put another um, joke in there. And then um, I know because he's like, <laughs> we can't, a weird we can't way to honor. It was a weird, honor it was an joke. honor fallen joke. It was honoring a fallen joke. And then two years later I woke up in the middle of the night because we couldn't get another one there. That was, that was the bar. We couldn't get uh, another one. And two years later I woke up like maybe four years later I woke up and I go, damn it. Working stiff. <laughs> and so I called David. Did you Crane. call David and tell I was him? Like I have, and he's like, I th "Friends was over." I think at this point, I was right. like, "I know there's no way to go back on the DVD, but I know." And the other one, which I don't know why it didn't get in, um, it was such a great joke, and it didn't get again. I hold on to these things. Oh, yeah, I, I, like that, that joke was fine. That joke, I had my chance with it. Right. Joke, you know, it, it played, it died, and that was just that was just that I didn't come up with it quick enough. But this joke. Um, when the one where uh, Ross gets uh, a monkey, I think we wrote we wrote that one. My partner and I wrote that one when he got the monkey, and um, Joey goes, "Oh, what a cute joke!" Where's his uh, little organ? And Chandler says, "Right under his little diaper," and <laughs> an incredible joke for the time. You have to understand, America was in this monkey excess time. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And time. everyone laughed, and David just moved on. I was like, "How's that not in the show?" And to this day, I believe that the show only lasted eight and a half years. Because after, of that? After that joke. She called David. We've talked about it. Um, Does he deny that? <laughs> <laughs> I think he would give me, as he did, God bless this guy, he would always give me, like, he would, like, have this frozen smile on his face. Right. Like, when you'd pitch something that made him uncomfortable. And <laughs> and sure enough, that happened a lot. But anyway, yes. So it was a cultural phenomenon. We, I remember I wrote a, a joke at, like, the very first episode when Rachel gets a job at the diner and she gets her first paycheck, it says, who's FICA and why is he taking all my money? And the literally a week after that aired, I was in like a Bennigan's or something or a TJ Fridays where I used to spend money <laughs> uh, where they wore like the suspenders and the thing. And somebody had, one of the waitresses had a, back when they were waitresses, they had a pin that said, who's FICA and why is he taking all my really? money? Yeah, that was a week after it aired. And it was like, that was like, cool. But then it was just like, I just assumed that that's, you know, that's, that's TV. And, uh, well, you're young and yeah, you're young and stupid. You get things on your no, back, you get yeah. them removed. They put them in the lab. You don't care. <laughs> that's right. I write a line next thing. A week later, it's, it's on yeah, a pin on some something. stranger. And it's like, I guess it's just how it works. Yeah, it's TV. Take that thing off my back, send it to the lab. I don't care. Do that's what right. you want. Boy, if I had a nickel for every time that I've, somebody's walked around with a pin with lines from Bloodsport 2, I'm like, I, I have, it's right there. Yeah. 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 The oh. lines are, watch out. Ouch, that hurts. Huh. <laughs> You're going to get it. <laughs> this isn't Bloodsport 1. <laughs> That's right. We did Bloodsport 2 because there were so many loose ends after Bloodsport 1. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see it because I didn't see Bloodsport 1, and I don't want to be lost.
Hi, this is Stephen Kane. If you're listening, come get me, help me, get me out of this mess. I don't know why I volunteered for this, but I am a writer and a producer in television, and that's why they asked me to come join them for the Writer's Room Pros podcast, and that's what you're listening to. For Shining Veil, you were writing that in the midst of COVID. So this no? was this was like a... The the project is very, very funny. So I... Um, I have to say something very, very funny. Yeah, no. it's, yeah. it's, it's like, oh, I've got an interesting story. I go, how about you tell me the story? And yes. I'll let you know afterwards. Hey, by the way, this is a good story. Okay. So I um, wrote, I came back to Warner Brothers. I'd been off Warner Brothers a lot for like a year and a half, um, as everybody was. Mm-hmm. Because like you, la- it wasn't like, you know, I don't know if this will air and people remember the pandemic when this airs. But <laughs> um, back then, um, you know, it was like a zombie movie, like a zombie virus. Like one day you leave and then, you know, you come back and there's like vines growing up <laughs> in the streets of New York. So I came back. I actually read it. Sorry, intro, I read a, I read a some article where none of the people are going back to the offices. Yeah, they're, they're talking about it's like this weird archaeological experience so going back and it's like here's the coffee cup and it still has like you know like the dregs right so so i went back because they were raising my offices um which is a nice feeling and they had to move my office so i went back to office and they liked three people in the hazmats it really what you really did feel like you were in like 28 days later or some kind of like you know zombie movie and you're you're coming back and um you know, they let you in, like the person, like a long key, they let you in, and like you have, you have 30 minutes to, you know, get out of anything you need. And I looked, and I was like, and this was just like, wow, where was I when I, because I remember it was like in February or something, and I had like, I had, I was somewhere, and then they told me, you're not coming into the office for like the next month, they're shutting down, and then it was a year and a half. And so I was like, you know, I looked, and of course, my coffee creamer, which was like coffee made sugar free, I had left it was still in the fridge and it was still good. Do not drink it. <laughs> Do not drink it. It's got a half life. Yes, it is just a million. Yes. <laughs> Expires never. <laughs> um, and then I looked, I'm like, you know, this script open on my on my desk. I'm like, wow, this really is. You're going back in time. And I'm like, I wonder Was what, it really? Yeah. I'm like, what am I what was I working on then? And it was the same fucking scene I was shooting. <laughs> like, oh my God, I haven't done anything in a year and a half. And it was like, we were shooting and it was the same scene. I was like, I really haven't done anything in a year and a half. I've not been productive. We're still working on Shiny Vale. So it was the same exact thing. I'd like, I think I'd like cut it, the scene a little bit. <laughs> you know, it changed a little bit. So I, really it was- I, like, I proofread it. Yes, it was like, it was pressing pause. But I, I worked on Shiny Vale. I think I looked at like, I think it was like 2000, end of 2018 or 2019, we sold it. It was like a three-year thing, and mm-hmm. then it, it just and then it just stopped, like with everything. Like for a year, right. it was on pause. But and that was just the pilot. So you, you did just that, the pilot. We shot the pilot. Your, you we did that on your own. Yeah, we shot. No, we shot. Yeah, I wrote it, but then we shot the pilot. We finally had to shoot the pilot because the director was like on hold for a year. She gave up everything, mm-hmm. and, and she said, "I'm I'm done." And I said, "If this director's done, then I'm done." And we finally got them to shoot it, and it was just you know, it was in January of 2020 so it was very very um you know coming on a year on it it was no i guess two years no january 2021 maybe last january okay it was last january and it was very very covidy out Mm -hmm. there it was like the the peak of covid was i mean back when i told the story now the peak might be here but the peak was like here and we were here Mm -hmm. like it was february and the peak was january end of january was february because you were shooting i mean productions were not like had not come no we were no it wasn't and it was very very you know and we had we had two cases immediately and, you know, and it was just very, you know, a lot of layers, a lot of... And you shot up in Vancouver. 
No, we did not shoot in oh, Vancouver. Oh, no, you because, shot that here. Yeah, because we didn't this. know when you'd be able to get it. We shot in Pasadena, South Pasadena. Oh. And then the show got picked up. And then we shot in a house that they were like, that our producer was like, you'll know you'll never be able to recreate this. And I'm like, well, thank you for the positive uh, energy <laughs> on that. And I said, like, I'm always of the mindset that I will just, like, make it happen and we'll deal with the consequences right. later. Because, you know, the, I, I don't like cutting anything from an episode or a pilot, certainly a pilot, like... If the pilot's not great, there's mm -hmm. no second episode. So people were like, you know, especially like budget-wise, I'm like, find a way to film this. And we shot it in a beautiful, it was a beautiful, beautiful pilot. And it was beautifully shot and beautiful. I saw it. It was actually stunningly yeah. shot and really innovative. There's yes. a lot of drone yeah, a lot photography of very, where you wouldn't expect that you yeah, need a very, drone. Yeah, very, 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 very cool. Really clever it was stuff. like we really were trying to like create something different there. And I think we were, we were successful in, in a certain extent. Uh, to a certain extent of that. And, um, but then we had to rebuild it when the show got picked up. We had to rebuild it to be on set because our star, Courtney, did not want to leave. She has a family. She didn't want to leave Los Angeles, which was good for me. Right. Um, I assumed we were going to shoot in Vancouver, but Vancouver was also because it takes place in Connecticut. I had one producer. It was so difficult to get a producer for the show. And again, with the, with, 30 the budget was 30 times what all for episode <laughs> for entire season of israeli right. television um and yet still like i had one budget faked his own one budget one producer faked his own death like just left <laughs> another guy went crazy just i showed him the budget and he called me like went crazy like you can't do this it has to take place in la it has to like you can't do this it's impossible like, he's holding it up yeah. I was like so finally i was just like no, you're not the guy. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a guy I was told. Oh, so like, you, were, you were like auditioning producers? Yeah, we were auditioning yeah, producers because yeah. the first guy, like, you know, it was just, he went crazy. It was like The Rock 5 or whatever from like the movie Shine. Like, yeah, yeah. it's impossible to do. <laughs> and, like, yeah. This budget was impossible to do. And I was just like, nothing's impossible. Like, it's not impossible. Just do it. So I found somebody who right. told me they could do it. That was the only criteria. Now, they had no idea what they were getting into, but like that was the criteria was that you just have to say it's doable. And it was right. doable. And it was doable. And we, we shot. But again, I don't know. You don't know what the real numbers are. You don't know. I know that we came in. I know that I got in trouble and I think IATSE almost went on strike because of me. Why? Because of the hour. Because they were working like 15-hour days to make it happen. Oh. And, and you know, and during COVID. But that's not necessarily cheaper because you go to into like that. No, the, it the was, overtime. it was cheaper than doing an extra day apparently. But yeah. we, every day it was like, they gave us six days an episode. We should have had seven days because they call it a comedy, but it's, it's streaming. So it's, tw it's almost 29 minutes. Right. And it's shot like a drama. It's just like really, really compressed. And I have, I have 40 scenes in every episode. Wow. Um, it's very, in 40 scenes in, in, in 30 pages. So, you know, it takes a lot. So even though like right. some days my producer would be like, it's been six hours and everyone shot a third of a page. It's like, if that third of a page is like, you know, they, by first AD, I would say like, um, you know, this is, you're not moving fast enough. Mm -hmm. Like there's only one line. He's like Georgia Burns, you know, whatever. Like that was a line, I guess in, in, uh, Gone with the Wind, uh, like Atlanta, Atlanta, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Atlanta Burns. Like that's one yeah, line. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> like that was the thing. So he right. always tell me Atlanta Burns. Right. And like, well, and, there's a famous story with Lee Brackett who used to write Westerns uh -huh. where, where Lee Brackett would never write out like a chase uh -huh. scene. It would just be like chase scene as much as is needed. <laughs> yes, and then it'll be like, yes, yeah, so that's that's it, and that's you know you know five weeks of shooting out in Monument right. Valley afterwards, yes. you know? right? And that's and so that's kind of how it was with the show because it was shot like a horror, and and you know it was my whole goal was write like a comedy, shoot like a horror, and horror right. plays horror is very very slow 
it's a lot of like creeping and slow camera right. work and stuff playing on the outside of screens and well this was your first genre this is my first genre show right. i mean outside of like i mean comedy is a genre but this was the first like, it was the first very very much outside my comfort zone and that's why i loved right. it and and we it's you know i hired i was had a staff of two writers back uh you know and then one was a horror writer and one was a comedy writer and the horror writer said this is my first comedy and my <laughs> and the, comedy writer said this is my first drama and i said get something for nobody like it's and, and people watch it right. and, and i'm only a comedy writer like that's it's my whole life right. is comedy and i and people like yeah, it was really, it was like, this is a good drama. I'm like, I mean, I know it's funny, but just because of the right. way it's shot. So for people who don't know, so what's the, like the, the elevator pitch for Shinyville? So, um, this was back when Cause I was saying drama and I think it's, it, it's very comedy, but it, it is, uh, it's, it's horror. It's a horror comedy, you, you know, Sharon, fun. Sharon Horgan. Um, the reason I did it was because I had a deal at Warner brothers where I've been most of my career and, um, where my script is still open to that page. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the last 20 years and uh i was Wait, doing with your, with your creamer yes with my <laughs> your, creamer. your radioactive the creamer. evergreen script and <laughs> creamer um and um so i was doing season two of trial and error up in vancouver and i was sure because i was able to cut this budget down from i think 1.8 to 1.3 an episode mm -hmm. which is again you know like for shining veil no no oh for no shining veil is a multiple of that right okay um but for trial and error okay we we're able to get it down to 1.3 an episode which is all you know and i could have you could buy all of croatia for that all of all of european television for okay. that you for, know how many gift cards yeah. you know how many people could watch trial and error for that amount uh, too soon <laughs> um so and they were like we want you to do and i'm up in vancouver like writing the finale shooting it and they're mm -hmm. like we you need to come up with another show i'm like I have no ideas. Like, unless it's a story of a guy who goes crazy by shooting a show, like I'm not going <laughs> to, so I'm like, I'm going to hear, I'll just hear other people's pitches. Cause I was 100% sure as sure as I was, is that I would create the next friends by leaving friends. Spoiler alert. I didn't. <laughs> I'm here right now. in my friend's back house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even see a light on this camera. I don't think when I'm recording, um, <laughs> Um, Shawnee just needed you out of the house for yes. a little bit. <laughs> I'm blinking my <laughs> escape. Um, so I went and I, uh, this producer, Aaron Kaplan said, you know, he pitched me a bunch of stuff, um, including a Holocaust comedy. I was, was really too no. sad. Yeah, I promise really? you. Oh. Uh, and a friend of mine's looking into that. I was like, I, I can't, I can't. I love I think Tom. it's called Hogan's Heroes. It was even, no, I don't know, maybe. But um, the holocom. So then uh, he said, well, Sharon Horgan has a project. I was like, go on. And he said, she wants to do like a comedian. Because I said, I only want to do genre bending. Trial and Error was like a genre bending mm -hmm. show. And I was like, that's what my brand, I want my brand to be. I'd seen a movie after I did Trial and Error called What We Do in the Shadows. And I was like, what if we do that as a TV show? They're like, what? That's insane. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Needless to say. Five Emmys later. <laughs> like, mother man i mean this is just failure television here <laughs> bottom dwellers we'll be back with bottom dwellers <laughs> right after this. this um so um sharon's like i want to do the shining but as a comedy and mm -hmm. i was like i'm in and then she uh, i spoke to her on the phone it was just really cool to speak to her on the phone she said can you do comedy and horror together she said anytime i'd watched a horror movie that tries to be funny it's usually if it's really scary it's not funny if it's really funny it's not scary and uh, with okay. what what shows do you think a TV show or movie? Shaun of the Dead? Shaun of the Dead. Okay, so Shaun of the Dead is, and I wanted Edgar Wright to direct it. So Shaun of, Shaun of the Dead isn't super scary, though, and it's, um, there's scary moments for sure, but yeah. I, I think that's, that is an exception. Certainly in TV, 
It doesn't exist. Okay. Um, and this is this is a different feel in Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is more like satire. I love Shaun of the Dead. I love Edgar Wright. I, yeah. We looked into him for this. It didn't it didn't happen. We had a great director anyway, Dervla Walsh. But mm -hmm. um, so she said, can the two coexist as a as a sitcom? And she said, I want to do a sitcom that makes you shit your pants. She called it a shitcom. <laughs> and I said, and I thought for a second, I said, yes. I said, because I'm not a huge horror maven, but I know that whenever you watch a horror movie and you scream, you laugh right afterwards. So right. it's like, oh, this is, it's the same continuum. And I've just been telling jokes for so long and I want like a new way to tell a joke. I was like, oh, this is just, it's just, you're just surprising the audience mm -hmm. in a different way. And, but she said like, how do you do it with pace? And I said, you write it like a, a you write it like a character driven comedy but you shoot it like a horror mm -hmm. and i said and i i said i really think i could do this just hold on and i sat down and i wrote what was the what would be the final scene of the show final scene of like the last uh, episode uh, no the final scene of, of the pilot okay um where she goes out in the woods uh you've seen the pilot and i wrote that final scene i said this is how you do it and it didn't know i knew i had to write to that and i was like yeah. i was like this is this is how you do it. i said this is a setup and it just like was in real time i wrote it. i sent it to her she said it's all yours and then no, um yeah and it was great and the the thing that she had that that she found the thing that i really loved about because i love doing stuff about something and this is about mental illness and she had found this statistic uh that women are more than twice as likely as men to be possessed and depressed and the symptoms are and that's exactly, just in your family yes and well, by the way more yeah both um <laughs> but the symptoms are exactly the same and i said oh that's so much fun and that's great yeah and and also what a great springboard <laughs> yeah it was really really great and so funny so i put that and i put that as the opening card of the show and she was like no nah, i don't want to do that it's like it's too we're telling people too much i was like that's the entire show is like it right. tells people how to feel and you know, so we we did that at the top of the show, and and I think it works very very well, and and um, you know, it just puts you on edge, and um, it was really really fun, and it was a learn the learning curve was so steep for me to write horror, like yeah, um, I was curious about that because it's like, did you, did you did that slow the process down in any oh, like like writing shooting editing, yeah um like well, you, you're learning a new it, language really it was really a different language so in terms of the pilot like I would write I wrote I remember working with Sharon, who's very, very, very direct. And Sharon is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But she's very, very direct. She does not have... I don't know how she's a writer because she's so... I mean, I guess she's Irish, which comes in with built-in kind of stuff. Like, Directness. Yes. But it was just like, she's like, oh, you're really going to do that? It sounds like... Terry sounds like such a twat there. I'm like, I don't think you can say that. And like, but twat is like the word like shalom. Right. <laughs> like this for everything. It's right. a universal word there. Aloha. And um, and she's like, oh, you can do a callback. I was like, I built my house on callbacks, miss. It's like, you're really going to do a callback here? I'm like, I guess not. So she really, really honed my writing that no jokes. Like, she's like, no jokes. I'm like, how's it funny if you can't write jokes? So it's wow. like all character stuff. So it really was hard. And then the first draft of the show was just a bloodbath. And she said... I mean, like from network notes or... You, no, no, you, no, no, you, no, like, no, no, literal. I wrote oh, scenes. Oh. <laughs> no, it wasn't like, wow, this is terrible. No. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, yeah, like, no. like, oh my God, look at all these Crazy. notes we're getting in. Yes. It's a bloodbath. It's like, no, it wasn't. It was actually... just a literal bloodbath. Um, blood I literally bath. had a bloodbath. Blood as yes. much as we need. Yes, exactly. I actually did a bloodbath scene in, in the show in episode four, I think. That's funny. I didn't realize that, but there was a bloody bath. But... Um, and it was just like every room was like the shining, like the elevator doors open. There's blood splatter and she was seeing things and jump scares. And Sharon just wrote back. She said, there's so much horror that there's no horror. 
Wow, and that's a great note. Yeah, it was a great note. And she was really, she said, it's like so much that there's nothing. Like she said, like, if you're constantly jumping, then you're not jumping. Mm. Like you have to build to it. So there's like, I think in the pilot, there's maybe three scares right. in the pilot, which is a lot for 30 minutes. And, and you Where know. did she get her like horror chops from that she doesn't she just has an unbelievable ability to do to do storytelling to do characters and uh. her her pages i also found when i went back into you know the lost office the uh. preservation of office and amber right. was like i found her original notes on on the show and she had written like like five or nine pages on it and the, the characters i was just trying to think like what did I contribute to this process? Right. Um, and, you know, her characters were slightly different. She had a lot of it, but it was like I, I brought... Sharon has, a, a, I think, a much darker sensibility, I think, that comes with her directness. Mm -hmm. and like, I, I think, for me, like, I wanted to be... And I never wanted this show to go. It was just a pain in the ass for me because it was very, very hard to write it. And it was just like... And I was like, I'm always going to be second fiddle. And if you read the article about me and Friends, you see that's not a comfortable position for me. <laughs> I like lead cello. And, um, and it's like Sharon had a big name on it. And even though she's like, this is all yours, she was giving me notes in a very, very direct, very, very constructive, but direct way. And it's like, I don't need this. I have trial and error. That's going to come back. And that did, that didn't come back. So then I developed this other show, which was a pure comedy where I was the boss. Right. That didn't go. And I'm like, just funneled into the show. And I'm just like, I really, it's, it's just hard. It was just really hard because I had to learn new language. The only person who had any horror experience on the show was our editor. And he he did like the grudge movies and, and like he really explained like one thing's like he said on, on a jump scare, you never cut to a jump scare. Like it has to be like revealed. So I didn't know that. You can you never cut to it. It's like it's revealed. It's there like in the frame it. and then Yeah, you have to just however you reveal it, but you can't cut to it. And that's not and we had some things that were like sound scares. And you said that's bullshit. Our audience is not gonna he goes, I'll put it in. I remember one time the editor who had never done horror either, she mm -hmm. beautiful, beautiful work. She did the, the Not the editor, the director. No, the director, I'm sorry. The yeah. director who did Handmaid's Tale and, and mm -hmm. Fargo. She was a, she was the first oh, woman geez. director of Fargo. She directed like entire, whatever, the fourth season or something. Mm -hmm. and, and beautiful, beautiful directing. And, you know, we had this one scare and it was just, we, it wasn't shot to be a scare. So we put in sound and he's like, the, the, he said, the audience is not going to buy that. You're just throwing in every instrument you have. <laughs> like, right. it's not like, and, and what I learned afterwards, because I had one of my writers, my horror writer said that like, and this is what I love about the show, said in horror, you shoot for the, you have to scare your most sophisticated audience. Um, whereas comedy, you play for the lowest common denominator, whoever's going That's to so get interesting. the- That's interesting. I've never heard that. Yes. And she said that like, so you have to fool- you have to write it to fool your most sophisticated audience. Whereas in comedy, you write it for the lowbrow, but you know, everybody likes lowbrow humor. And I got, you know, I that's why I'm doing that. this podcast. Yes. Here we go. <laughs> Welcome to it. Bottom of the barrel. Be back after these words. Um, and, um, so it really, it, it's really, really a challenge. I, I probably did. And I probably wrote at least six or seven drafts of every single outline. And then another seven or eight drafts of every draft before mm -hmm. it came to the table. And then, you know, and the, by the table reads were very, very, very solid. And they, again, because we were kind of doing our own kind of genre here, they mm -hmm. didn't have anything to compare it to, which was great, which is what it was in trial and error also, because it was, we were doing like a mock doc, but about true crime. Right. And they didn't really know what to compare it to, so they could only compare it to itself. But this is like, Stars has been like really wonderful. I got really the first six table reads after the pilot, I didn't get any notes. Wow. I know. It was amazing. And then, of course, in the eighth episode, which I thought yeah. was perfect, and they gave me notes, and I yeah. was like, what? Yeah. 
Apparently, what happened was uh, Stars was having a cyst removed from its back, and it was it went to the lab, and they were they were cyst, actually much more worried. And that cyst, Stitcher season four. <laughs> we'll be back too after soon. these. Too ones. soon. <laughs> um, yes, but anyway, I love it. It's very fun. I hope people really. It's the performances are great. Again, casting is everything. Right. Casting is one hundred percent. It's Courtney Cox, Greg Kinnear. It's Courtney Cox, Greg Kinnear, Mira Savino, uh, this uh, wonderful young actress named Gus Burney, uh, this guy Dylan Gage who was in Pen Fifteen, mm-hmm. um, Marin Dungey who is not known for her comedy. I guess she did King of Queens and stuff, but mostly like mostly drama. She right. done drama and just like. Uh, Alicia Reiner, who was in Orange is a New Black. Um, Rob Morrow, oh, isn't it? Geez. I don't um, know if Rob Morrow was in it. Yeah, Rob Morrow was in it. And it's really fun also because it's it's a lot of the people are of uh, you know, in their in their fifties and and especially for women, what you know, Courtney Cox actually got the script and called me and said, I, I have to do this. And I was like, wow, that's really like she wasn't even Had you worked with her since Friends? No, I barely worked with her on Friends. I mean, it's like you know, as you yeah, 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 it was low, right? <laughs> Lowly. No, but she low. was like, you know, she was she was very very quiet on Friends. She was like, it took a while for us to find her character. She, uh-huh. you know, we had like on Friends, you had like Chandler and you know, you had Matthew Perry and Lisa Kudrow who were just so rapid fire with jokes, and you always went to them for jokes. Mm-hmm. And Schwimmer was Schwimmer. He was like a new thing people hadn't seen in Genesis. And so Courtney kind of got lost a little bit in the shuffle. And the stuff we gave her was like very, very, you know, more easy stuff of, oh, she's a neat freak. She's a type A personality. Right. She used to be fat, which you can't Season say one and two stuff. Season one and two stuff. You yeah. know, um, but no, it was stuff like, well, let's try this on her. And, and by the way, Courtney is the so talented and so hardworking in this. She's great. And she told me, she said, I've never had something written for me before and I really need to do this. And I was like, well, oh, I'm not going to say no to that. You didn't uh, write it specifically for no, her. No, I didn't write it for her at all. I but didn't, it felt to her like... I didn't... In, in fact, she wasn't... The reason she wasn't on our radar was because she had done Scream and we just thought... And she just had never done anything like this. Mm-hmm. We thought, okay, so Scream, we've seen what she can do with horror and Scream is... It's very, very heightened, obviously super successful but it's right. it's you know scream is is i guess it's kind of it's people say oh it's like a a comedy i guess of sorts yeah. horror but it's really a, it's, it's an homage of, yeah it's a satire to, a little bit yeah. it's not quite a spoof but um it just wasn't the same genre as this no. and 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 also she's like again it's like not a thankless role it's probably you know she's done quite well for herself but right. you know this story is like she's the lead in this she's in 38 episodes a show 38, 38 seasons scenes. 38 scenes, scenes right in an, in an episode yeah. and she has to play so much and we do so much and she's like either depressed or possessed and she's you know and she's she's playing a woman who's going through menopause and like she said like people don't write that mm-hmm. like certainly women don't write it because they don't want to deal with it every woman is trying to be younger and guys don't write it because who wants to guy's not going to write it so you right. need a half guy half menopausal woman to do it and Ladies and gentlemen. My friend. Yes. Jeff Astroff. Here we go. Um, and there were actresses who didn't, well, there was one actress, a young, younger actress who we, you know, we offered the part and she was like, well, I would take out the menopause stuff. No woman's going to play menopause and I don't want to have a teenage girl and I need to be, I need to be more jokey, but I'll do it. Uh-huh. And I'm like. And just that Astroff fella have to be involved. By the way, I did not want to be involved. I'm texting Sharon. I'm like, this is a disaster. No way. But this is someone that they wanted and she was a name and, and, okay. and, and, um, and then Courtney called. And then I remember we were just like, do you think Courtney can do it? Cause I had never seen Courtney mm-hmm. do anything like dramatic. Right. 
And man, oh man, can she ever. And she was so... She How about Greg Kinnear? How did he do? Oh. Obviously, he does comedy. He does drama. Uh, Greg Kinnear is, is... What about the, perfection. the, the horror stuff? Was that an so, issue at all? So, thriller stuff? No, because he doesn't... Greg has to... The only person who's involved in the horror is is Pat, is the mom, is Courtney. Oh, okay, it's Courtney. Yeah, so he's the only one who... She's the only one who experiences oh, it. That's so kind it's of kind of like, so he doesn't see what she's... He doesn't see what she so says. He thinks, so he has to see, right, you know, it. and Greg is... Now I feel like I don't need to even watch the show. I feel like I know yeah, everything about it. Join the club. Um, you know, Greg, the thing that Greg brought us, so like every time I write a script, and we got this note on old Christine all the time, and I've got this note on second season of Trial and Error, which was, was starred Kristen Chenoweth and as a potential murderess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they always look at the character on paper and they're like, this character's unlikable. And it's like, well, it's casting. It's all casting. And right. they said it's about Trial and Error. It's like the first season is like this guy you know, potentially killed his wife. We don't like him. And then we cast John Lithgow. It's like, everyone's John oh, Lithgow. Yeah. And it's all casting. It's, it's 100% all casting. casting. And they know that, not even deep down, but they always give you these notes. And it's, an, it's an easy note to give. Yeah, it's an easy note. Not likable. Once we cast Courtney, I'm like, this woman, because she's a woman who has an affair and mm-hmm. may be crazy and is not a good mom and is like, you don't have that woman do that and be likable. And it's Courtney and everybody loves like, oh, Monica in the haunted house. Amazing. And it's like, this is great. But then we cast Greg Kinnear and it's like, oh, he's so likable. It makes her less likable. And so like we had to keep balancing the two of them because Greg is so good and he's so, he's so good and he's so earnest and so deeply, deeply funny. And he gave me a lot of notes and all his notes went in and they were all right. And he was just really, he just couldn't believe every episode. He's like, I just don't know how you're going to do this next episode though. How are you going to like, I feel like where, where are we going to go? I said, just leave that part to me. Just, just say the words. And, um, <laughs> but Greg was perfect, really, really perfect and, and fun. And, and a, he is, he has a process. He's an actor and he uh, has a process, but I think part of it is, you know, being around the same age as my leads, mm-hmm. I think is, is helpful. Right. Because it's like, you know, I've, I've done this a long time we brought up some of my famous shows, Partners, Thornberries, <laughs> Hanging right. Mr. Cooper on this episode, Bottom of the Barrel. And, um, but I think it's, I think it's helpful to have that experience. It's the one thing, uh, and I will end on this, hopefully, is <laughs> that you, um, like being, I, I, when I was in my 20s and I was on Friends, very few writers wrote that far into their 30s. So I thought like 35, you're done. And then you turn 35 and you're like, okay, 40. And then 40, I'm like 50. And then you get to be 50 and you realize that there's, there's, there aren't that many people who have the skill set to be a manager of people and, um, and also to write and to run a show. And, you know, I feel like creatively, I'm, and, and wisdom, it's, you know, I've got it on my beard and um, it's the only thing is you lack is the energy and the verve and the, and the ability to go right. into and get something removed and taken to the lab and not give a shit. <laughs> like, that's it. Everything else. Now I just said the lab. I'm actually going to straight to have a full body MRI after this. <laughs> You've, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm glad I could say that I was there when Jeff Astroff was finally able to conceptualize his own death. Yes, it's, thank you. It's, uh, you it's a special there. moment for the, the entire TV yes, industry. Thank you. Live. We're going to watch it live. <laughs> anyway, um, Jeff, thank you so much. Thank you. As always, a pleasure talking with you. Like writer's Room, we have to talk next time about Writer's Room Pro. Nah, we don't. But if you want to bring it up, that's fine. Okay. Okay, good. And Trial and Error, trial season and three. Error. Season three, coming soon. Watch Shiny Veil vale on Stars. Get the app, but uh, dropping March 6th. Thanks to Jeff Astra for joining us. Next week, we welcome Narain Shankar, fellow science geek and showrunner of The Expanse and executive producer of For All Mankind. 
Make sure you're subscribed to get your notification when the episode drops. See you next time.